You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and it's a beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. Clear blue skies, just beautiful day here. Uh, as most of the country is in a deep freeze, we're drop dead gorgeous. So feel lucky to be out here. You're listening to the Bose Nose Show, and I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And you know you can get in on the show anytime and take the show your direction because that's why I do this show is so you can control the topics at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887 and just press 1. And I am going to deviate from my 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 advertised topics a little bit. I'm going to start out with going back to a what were they thinking moment um, that we had a few weeks ago about Franklin Boulevard because my call screener and producer extraordinaire Robin had personal experience with Franklin Boulevard the other day. And, and I want her to relay that a little bit, but I just to set this up a little bit, the city of Eugene has started this project. Um, where they want to basically reimagine Franklin Boulevard. And one of their goals is to make it less car-oriented, which I'm not quite sure what that means, but seeing there's been other projects around the city of Eugene to make areas less car-oriented, it usually means things like, you know, traffic calming islands and bump outs or taking away car lanes to add bike lanes, um, you know, those sort of things. Uh, in this particular corridor, they're talking about instead of having the uh, the single lane for the MX there to expand it to two so they can pass this so they don't have to run one-way traffic back and forth on it. Um, you know, who knows what it means exactly, more pedestrian crossings. But I want, you know, Robin to talk a little bit about her experience of trying to get home from West Eugene to Springfield. Now, I want to remind folks that both of our major hospitals are located in Springfield, and a lot of our population lives in South and West Eugene on that side of the river where all the hospitals are where Robin lives on the other side of the river. So she was basically driving home in the same path that a good portion of our population would have to use in an ambulance in an emergency. So with that little setup, talk about your commute last Friday, Robin. Well, I had this interesting goal in uh, getting home, 
on the same day. <clears throat> and I didn't know that I was going to spend my vacation stuck on 7th Street, as apparently there was an accident on the Washington Jefferson Street Bridge, and traffic was literally at a standstill. And after about, oh, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, kind of thinking, okay, I'm literally not getting anywhere. I decided to get in the next lane. Figure I'll, I'll head up over Coburg Road. Okay. You know, going around the E-Web sneak is uh, the biggest problem there, but took an hour just to get about four blocks. So, all right, alternative route. Let's head down Franklin Boulevard. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Long story short is that uh, by the time I reached the Crazy Eights, that's my new name for the Franklin uh, uh, <laughs> road going into Springfield. It's like, oh my God. Um, it literally took me from Chambers down to the uh, um, Willamette River literally an hour and a half. I mean, I even got passed by a wheelchair. That's how bad it was. <laughs> and and then when it, this is the first time eastbound on Franklin when I got into the crazy agents, like, you have got to be kidding me. And they want to put two or three more of these roundabouts in there. And then, as Jay alluded to, uh, which I'll let him elaborate on a little bit, this Franklin Boulevard transformation. Jay? Yep. So the city of Eugene is currently doing a design workshop that was occurring over the last couple of days. And tomorrow is the big reveal of the proposed design, uh, according to their calendar. And uh, it's, you know, really all about trying to make it less automobile oriented uh, in that, and basically in that area leading up to the Willamette River Bridge. So this is the major thoroughfare leading to one of four ways of crossing the Willamette River, which is one of four ways to get to the hospitals for citizens of South and West Eugene, and even North Eugene, if you think about it, and most of Western Lane County. So they are talking about making entryway to one of four escape routes, so to speak, <laughs> less automobile friendly. Now, because there's only four ways to cross the river, thank you, former Commissioner Rob Handy for killing the fifth way that would have been at Valley River. We've talked about that on the show before. When there's an accident or something backing up one of those four, it gridlocks the other three just about bad enough now. Now, can you imagine if they do these, uh, whatever it is they're thinking of doing to make Franklin Boulevard leading up to that one bridge less automobile friendly, how much worse that gridlock will get? you know, as, as folks try to cross the river. And, you know, I don't care if your lights and sirens, if you're in standstill bumper to bumper traffic, it is really difficult to get through. So it's going to mean delays between pickup and delivery. And particularly when you think about, you know, Peace Health in Springfield there, you know, they have the cardiac uh, catheterization unit that, you know, saves people's lives based on how many minutes it takes to get from where they, you know, when they've had their heart attack to when they actually get in that um, cardiac center. Ah, that was Louie. 
he doesn't like the Franklin Boulevard transformation project either. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, minutes mean, you know, heart muscle tissue, which means quality of life, which can actually mean life at all, you know, getting to that particular hospital. They don't even take, when you come into by ambulance for a cardiac arrest, they don't even take you through the ER. They take you directly up to that cardiac catheterization unit. So they're messing around with one of four ways you can possibly get to that hospital in, in a critical life-saving, um, you know, where life-saving seconds and minutes are really important. And I just boggles my mind the way the city of Eugene thinks, you know, what are they thinking? What were you thinking that you wanted to make Franklin Boulevard less car friendly? As if it wasn't enough already that when you threw MX in the, in the median and gave them priority at traffic lights. No, we, we're going to go further than that. Even though when you put MX in, you promised everybody you were going to reduce the volume of traffic on Franklin with the MX improvements. That was the promise back then. But nope. What was the city of Eugene thinking? I'll be interested to see when they reveal their, you know, uh, design from these workshops, what they come up with. But my guess is, you know, most of the people that were able to attend those workshops are the advocates that are anti-automobile. And we're going to see something come out of it that's not going to be very friendly and, and conducive to moving people from this side of the river where the hospitals aren't to that side of the river where the hospitals are. So... Keep an eye on that project. Keep an eye on the news news tomorrow and Friday to see what they actually reveal. It should be interesting. So we we had a little di diversion there from from the advertised topics. But if you have any comments or anything on on the Franklin Boulevard transformation or on the city of Eugene's transportation system plan and their whole um, idea of how to move people from one side of the river to the other or lack thereof. Give me a call here, 646-721-9887, and just press 1, and that lets us know you want to get in on a conversation. And uh, if no one calls in, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to move on to some of the things I advertise we might be talking about, which are just some of the things that the board has done over the last week and some of the things I've been involved in over the last week as your West Lane County Commissioner. And uh, it's been pretty diverse and pretty interesting and frustrating at times because, uh, you know, I expressed this last week or, or a couple weeks ago, um, our new board leadership hasn't been very good at time management or the progression and running of meetings in an orderly and, and, and uh, um, efficient manner. <laughs> so last Tuesday, we basically um, met right up, you know, into the noon hour again, and then our afternoon meeting went till um, almost six o'clock in the evening. You know, it, and uh, the problems that kind of causes for staff is items get pushed back and pushed back, and they have to sit around and wait. It's pretty significant, and it, it just you watch the management of these meetings just. And it's painful sometimes. Um, so I'm hoping that works out. 
in the future, but we shall see. But with all that stuff we were looking at, there was quite a bit that came up for the Board of Commissioners. And one of the things that, that, that did happen was we moved a couple steps closer to placing the courthouse bond um, election on the May ballot. Uh, so as far as you know, the bonding authority from the citizens to uh, get the courthouse um, funded for the portion that Lane County will have to provide. At the same time, we also um, worked on getting a uh, ordinance together that basically says, if we do get approval by the voters to, to put out bonds, we won't actually sell any bonds until we've got a guarantee from the state that they are going to um, fund their portion, which is about 40% of the project. So we want to make sure that as we ask our voters to provide local funding, that we're not going to start in on the project or go any further than we have without knowing that the state's going to kick in their share. Um, so we'll be leveraging that nearly $100 million in state uh, matching funds for the courthouse and, and, and ultimately getting better access to justice for our citizens. And we kind of moved that a step closer, sort of got a, a hint, uh, excuse me, uh, Louis, calm down. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having poodle problems here. Um, so we, we uh, moved a step closer to pushing the, the courthouse to that May ballot. And it looks like, at least right now, we sort of had a test vote that it looks like all five commissioners are in favor of that. So we'll see that's going to come back. The ordinance will come back to the board about limiting the uh, issuance of bonds uh, on February 12th, I believe, and the uh, actual uh, May, uh, the putting on the May ballots coming back on February 26th. So we're moving ahead with that. It looks like we have somebody on the line that wants to take the topics in their direction. We have Marlene on the line. And uh, Marlene, you have a question or comment on the Bo's Nose Show. Yeah, hi, Jay. Um, I've never done this before, but I just happened to see your deal on Facebook and thought I'd call in and I uh, saw your topic that you uh, had the opportunity to drive Colored Lake Road in the uh, recent past. And so my uh, I have a lot of comments, but actually I, I, I'm, I want to listen to you and um, see what your take is. Um, I was a little disappointed to learn that you had put in a uh, like an emergency order to have the topic brought up at a commissioner's meeting um, a week or so ago. And basically I heard it didn't go anywhere and kind of got sloughed off. So anyways, I'll leave it to you and let me know what your, um, what your thoughts are and where we might progress from here. Yeah. Well, stay on the line, Marlene, because you might have some response to some of what I have to say or further questions. Sure. Um, I, it it probably mind. hasn't, topic hasn't come up yeah. yet and I guess that's on your agenda. Yeah. And I, and I have, um, I have talked about this a little bit in the past, but I did get to actually drive the road since that failure. I have driven the road about four years ago, but it's been about mm -hmm. four years since I drove down Collard Lake. And I drove all the way to the end. I also drove to the end of, um, I forget the last uh, dead end road that comes off Collard Lake. And I'm, I'm going to mess and forget which name it is. Um, sure. But I, I was 
part of what I was doing was counting the number of houses that are beyond that failure where the tree mm -hmm. fell over. Um, yeah. And I counted 22 um, houses, which was a little, little bit more than I think our staff led us to, to believe were there, that there was just a few houses past the failure. Um, right. And uh, one of the things I, you know, I, I do have a civil engineering background. And so I got out of the car, looked at the failure. In general, Collard Lake Road is built on some very steep slopes. Um, you know, when you first get on it, there's a very steep slope down to, to, to the, the left of the road as you're going out, going up the road. And further on, there's a very steep slope on the right side. Quite a bit of the road is in failure already because you can see a lot of the longitudinal patching on the downhill side where it's actually already started slipping down the hill. Yeah, um, towards uh, Mercer Lake Road. On the first section, and when you get further up, it's on the right side where it's sliding down the other other place. That particular okay. tree failure really is just all about the root ball pulling up the pavement and not so sure. much about the act, active movement of, of the, the slope. Uh, so it doesn't look like it's going to progress rapidly any further. Um, right. In, in the next, with, with any additional rainfall, et cetera. So I'm, I'm not terribly worried about an immediate failure of the road other than you know any failure in that road is going to cut off a lot of people because um, it is single lane and I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to have a little bit more robust conversation when I asked to have this come back as at least an emergency item and in the initial report back from the county administrator reporting what public works was telling him um, it wasn't really enough to get the other four members of the board interested enough to, to carry a conversation any further than that. Right. Um, what, we, what we do have scheduled is a very in-depth work session and conversation that is now scheduled for March 12th. Okay. Um, and and that, that is going to talk about local access roads in general across the county and mm -hmm. whether we need to redefine which ones we're going to you know, maintain or not, because we right now any local access road by board policy that was set well before I was a commissioner. In fact, it's been 25 years, I think, since they made the decision are no longer maintained by the county. They're a public right. road in public right away. And a lot of a lot of local access roads were built by developers or private property. They, they dedicated roadway to the county, but the actual road was built by whatever person built the houses on them. Yeah, and, I'm aware of that. Really, yeah, I've and they were built neighborhood to, for yeah 25 years, so I'm pretty aware of the history here. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of kind of crazy that there are these these entities out there that are in public right away, but are being privately maintained. And I think we need to have a, a pretty in-depth conversation of do we need to um, you know, find some definition of which ones we should be maintaining. Is there a minimum number of houses or is there some other, you know, you know single lane in, single lane out type thing where, where we, you know, where does the county make that cutoff and what are the, yeah, what are the criteria? The criterion, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, there, there are thousands of people in this county that live on local access roads. So this isn't, this isn't a one-off decision um, just applying to Collard Lake. Oh yeah, no. And I then, yeah, because the folks down in Hasita Beach are also talking to me about Second uh, Avenue down there. I don't know if you're aware of the failure they're dealing with down there. 
<laughs> which affects about 20 houses. Um, okay. So there, there's other, other local access roads that, that um, same situation, you know, similar. Yeah, same situation. And, and Hasita Beach, you know, you're talking about um, plats and, and road right-of-ways that were platted in, in the anywhere from the 20s to the 40s um, and were shown as, as public roads, but were never officially trans, you know, kind of transferred. They're, they're, they're public right-of-way. Um, some of the roads were actually paved over by developers and stuff that no standards, you know, just the history of them is just horrid. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, and then people are kind of stuck with these things, then, you know, and the expenses of maintaining them are just, you know, has gone up, you know, triple, quadruple fold, and so on through all the years, and, yeah, it's a tough situation, and and our taxes keep going up, and blah, 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 you know, (laughs) so we're looking for some help with county services. Yeah, yeah, one of the things is, um, you know, we've never really covered road maintenance out of your property taxes. That's always come out of um, gas taxes gas and vehicle tax, registration yeah. fees and, and also um, timber receipts that came off of federal timber lands and, and in particular yeah. U.S. forest timber right. receipts. Which is like past tense so, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why they eliminated, um, you know, quite a number of years ago, maintenance of local access roads was when they lost all those timber receipts. Mm-hmm. There, there was a time we had a hundred million dollars in reserves in our road fund, you know, and that that was just the reserves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, so that's... It, it maintaining a bunch of roads that were under that weren't built to standards and all that stuff, and might only access two or three houses, wasn't a big deal back when we were had a hundred million dollar, you know, road fund reserve, which in today's dollars would probably be two or $300 million, you know, which is an insane amount of money to just be sitting on. Um, so, you know, that's a much bigger conversation. We do have a little bit more money coming in since they passed those gas tax increases and the and registration fee increases in the legislature back in 2017. But that's only going to bring in about $8 million more into our road fund. Mm-hmm. And what we lost secure rural schools payments when the last full payment we got before they tapered them down and ended them was 20 million in the road fund. So we're not even making back the, the reduced payments that were coming in through uh, uh, the, the secure rural schools um, and rural, uh, rural communities, whatever it is that whole act's name is that was replacing yeah. timber dollars. Yeah. So, has that, has all that uh, extra legislation that was passed to to replace some of that timber dollars has that is that completely gone now? It's completely gone, and, and they did a one-time re-up um, yeah. last last year for when they passed a continuing resolution. They managed to stick a one-time payment in at a much reduced rate. It's about thirty percent of what that that Secure Rural Schools Act was, mm-hmm. um, and and knowing it was one-time money, we we scheduled it to some one-time projects in the ro- on the road fund side uh, of the equation, where it's actually doing some uh, repair work on on various repair work on some bridges and stuff. That'll be just you know one-time expenditures rather than trying to put it into something that's a, a, a reoccurring uh, maintenance right. issue. 
well, like these it, local access roads. So, so yeah, you be, probably know. Be... You probably know that um, Collar Lake has had a couple. I would say two that I know of for sure, like one-time fixes. Where yeah, there's no yeah. gear and, from and, the county. Yeah. Yeah, and and I and I look back at the history of that, and there's actually board, you know, discussions and all where they talked about that they were one time, and they and and the whole point of them was they weren't going to obligate the board to future ones um, so it, it it has a very interesting history and I tried to bring this up back in 2016 before we had any additional funds uh, from the legislature through those gas tax increases and it kind of we had a board discussion about local access roads basically we all looked at each other and, and we're like I don't know what money we can use to change any policy and it kind of just died um, right after that discussion and that was in 2016 after the um uh the road you know that we had that slide on that other road that served as a secondary access to Collard yeah, lake even though it was yeah, a the chapman road. chapman road north yeah. yeah yeah and chapman road actually where the slide occurred was not not even a local access road it's a private road so right. as it turns out yeah yep. But it had a it yeah. had a had, had a county name. I mean, it had a street name on it, Chapman North. <laughs> but yeah. uh, in, in any case, yeah. uh, you know, it's, anybody can put up a sign. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm really hoping we have a, a much deeper discussion. And one of the things I'm going to talk, you know, propose and talk about in this board session is, if we're not going to maintain them, should we be actually transferring these roads over to community associations or improvement districts and making them really truly private roads? And, right. and let, and, so we can put a gate on it and restrict access and take care of them. Right. Right. You know, and, and yeah, if we can't have, restrict access, you know, it's uh, it's kind of um, you know the homeowners, the landowners are are uh, you know, it's just. There's a fairness issue that kind of comes up in in that um, yeah. discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and there's also, without that kind of designation of being a private road, you know, if, yeah. if it's designated a private road and it, and there's some kind of district that is designated to maintain that road, when you're doing a real estate transaction, something would come up to a potential buyer. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and might. Have and might have to be disclosed by a realtor. Right now, the fact that those roads are privately maintained isn't clear or even available to where if I was a realtor and didn't disclose that, I don't think I could be liable for non-disclosure because how would a realtor know? You know? So so there, there's there's that issue. There are people purchasing homes on these local access roads without the understanding of the private maintenance responsibilities. And that, that's something I would like to make sure is clarified. Um, you know, that if we're, if, and, yeah, a lot more fair. If we're not going to maintain it, maybe we need to give up ownership of it. And that, that's a whole different discussion. And I, I imagine it's going to probably uh, take, you know, take a continuing discussion. I think we're going to start the conversation on March 12th. But I'm hoping it will lead to a very in-depth discussion of, uh, you know, which ones we should be maintaining just because they have so many houses accessed by them. You know, what, right. what is that number? Is, is it more than 20? Is it more than 50? Which Colorado Lake is both? <laughs> you know, 
Is it, yes. Is What's it, the criteria you know, and how are you going to set that and how are you going to try to make that equitable? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. throughout the county, so, I know we're uh, not the only ones here, you know. Yeah, yeah, because we've got this thing called, you know, there's a, a, a local access road uh, known as Rick, I think it's Rickles Road, uh, comes off of Highway 99 and uh, north to Cresswell, but south of Goshen, mm-hmm. and it floods all the time, you know, in the wintertime, and we're constantly being asked to do something to fix the flooding problem there, so, you know, but, you know, yeah. is, you know that, that's, you know, so there, there's, you're not the only local access road that's come to the county and, and asked about this. It, like I mentioned, very close by, we have Second Avenue and Hasita Beach. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a very in-depth board discussion, and I think it's an appropriate board discussion because this is truly so. a matter of county concern because it's county roadways. <laughs> it's public roadways so I, within the county, and yeah, <laughs> here we yeah. are. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I know. A lot of misinformation kind of going around. Um, it, it's you know the, about some of the past things. Like uh, I think I saw something recently where somebody said that in 2016 I brought in somebody from ODOT, and there was nobody that that I brought in from ODOT. I think our um, maintenance supervisor at the time came in to talk about local access roads, but it was a county employee, not an ODOT sure. employee. Sure. So well, people, you know, the general it, public, they don't get. They get uh, they don't get their facts, you know, and they don't know one entity from another, and you know those things. I'm sure you're aware of all how that happens. County, state, oh, yeah. it's just the government, you know. But no. Yeah, and I, one of the reasons I do this show is so I can do some of that ed- education, so people can understand all those concerns, and also understand, you know, I can't unilaterally make this decision. You know, right. it was a board policy that we stopped the maintenance of local access roads. It's going to take the majority of the board to reverse that policy. Right. Um, particularly because it has budget implica- implica- uh, budget implications. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's been a long and I, I'll give you a kudu because um, um, I appreciate, I did see a uh, um, letter to the editor. I think you put in the Sciusless News. I mean, the Sciusless News. Um, and uh, I'm not sure it was in the guard or not, but, uh, you know, where you tried to say, hey, you know, I'm aware of this, I saw this, and, you know, this is a little bit m- more factual about, you know, trying to dispel, not dispel necessarily, but trying to explain some of the other letters to the editor that came in and to continue. You're going to probably see some more, you know, come in about it because, you know, people are being encouraged to speak up and speak out and, yeah. you know. Do what they can, and however we, however you know, as citizens, pressure our governments to do what we want, you know, that sort of thing. But um, you know, to for you as our representative to fight our battles to the county, if you will, and then you have to decide if it's a, you know, if it's a valid battle or not, and and so on, you know. But um, you're our guy, so um, you know, our representative. But um, so I appreciate you uh, writing that in. I thought that was a reasonable, uh, good thing to do. Yeah, and I will encourage Marlene to, as you talk to people about this issue, at this point, sending just me an email or something, um, you know, I'm aware of the situation. I've physically seen it. I'm going to advocate for some change in policy, but we really need to make the full board, you know, aware and, and, and understanding that. So as people want to chime in at this point, knowing it's going to come before the full board mm-hmm. soon, 
they, they can write the full board, and it's pretty easy to do uh, if okay. you go to the Lane, Lane County website, go to the Board of Commissioners um, page on there. The lower right-hand side of that page is a button that says email the board. Okay. <laughs> and if you click that button, you give, it gives you an email address, you know, it brings up, you know, whatever your email program is, mm-hmm. uh, an email address that goes to all five board members plus our county administrator, legal counsel, and a few other mm-hmm. key department heads. So okay. everybody sees that. But yeah. So uh, just continue to encourage folks on as far as this issue on local access roads to keep educating the board entire board members, because you have to remember, three of our board members um, represent the urban areas of Wayne County, and local access roads not necessarily a no, major issue for that. Nope, not yeah. at all. They got yeah, other big so, things fighting them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know. but in some ways, there's a little bit of crossover, because uh, both Eugene and Springfield, there's some unincorporated areas that haven't been annexed yet. And there are some local access roads in those areas, but it's not as a prominent a problem for the urban commissioners as it is for the two rural commissioners. So making sure the whole board understands the, the issue and, and the urgency of needing to have an answer um, is, is pretty important. So I encourage everybody to contact the full board on that issue. And, and issues that are gonna require the full board's uh, decision-making Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good way to advocate for a position. If, it, if okay. you're just, if you're looking for me to give you an answer on who best to talk to about something, contacting me directly or call, you know, like calling into the show, I can guide people as to, you know, what level of government they ought to be contacting, you know, if they need help or a little bit of advocacy, um, you know, with, with another department with or something. Sure. The department or something. But if you're looking for the board to change direction and policy, really need to be talking to the entire board because it takes, I have to count the three to do anything. <laughs> well, there's only so yeah, three, out of, three out of five are urban too. And, yeah. you know, it, it takes a majority and, yeah. And, yeah. and all that. So sounds good. All right. Well, I've, I really appreciate you calling in Marlene and, and thank you for listening to the show and, and, and picking up the phone and, and taking the, the Bose Nose show in a direction that somebody wants to talk about. Because if people don't call in, I talk about things I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was listening. You know, I, I started listening uh, on my cell phone. And I and I go, oh, he's just going on about stuff I don't care about. You know? <laughs> and, and so I wasn't going to, you know, push the button to call, to talk to you. But I thought, well, and maybe I got in a little bit late. Maybe you'd already said something about Colored Lake. But I saw it on your agenda. So I thought, well... I'll see if I can, you know, ring your bell about that. So um, Great. I really appreciate it because I really want to talk to people about what they want to talk about. And, and Collard good. Lake is not just about Collard Lake because it's about all local access roads, which is a exactly. countywide issue. Yeah. Exactly. So I, exactly. I pre- appreciate the call from the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from the coast there. And uh, hope you have a great day. And I hope that Collard Lake stays uh, Collar Lake Road stays whole at least yeah, through too. the end of the winter. Exactly. All right. Thanks a lot. I'm going to hang up now, and thanks for thanks for listening. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Uh, frog in my throat. Always seems to happen right in the middle <clears throat> of the show. Um, 
So that was an interesting call from Marlene there on Collard Lake Road, because it, it, it is a really important issue, local access roads. It may seem kind of esoteric, maybe just people that live in Eugene or Springfield or something, but um, it's a huge um, uh, financial issue for Lane County as to whether we maintain these roads or not, and, and a huge thing for our public road works department, um, that any decision we make around that particular piece of policy and it's somewhat of an equity issue i mean if you live on a local access road it doesn't change your property tax bill it doesn't change your gas tax rate when you come to the pump or how much your car registration fee is you know they're paying the exact same taxes as somebody that lives on a you know right down the hill Mercer Lake Road, because it's a collector road, is county maintained. So those folks that are just down the hill and have a lot on Mercer Lake Road are paying the same taxes as the people a little bit up the hill on Collard Lake Road, but Mercer Lake is maintained by the county. Collard Lake, those people have to maintain out of their own pocket. So there's an equity issue we have to deal with here. Um, when we talk about local access roads. And it's one of the reasons why I think it's important and why I've really been pushing to have the conversation come back up at the county. So you saw right there how Marlene changed the topic of conversation and took it in a direction she wanted to take it. All you have to do out there is dial 646-721-9887 and just press one. And that lets me know you want to get in on the conversation here on the Bose Nose Show with your host, Jay Bozovich, your West Lane County Commissioner. Again, that's 646-721-9887 and just press one. So I had a couple other things on, on the topics here, and I want to touch base on one of the reasons why I was able to go early to a meeting with some veterans and drive Collard Lake Road last Thursday, because I'd set up a meeting uh, with my, uh, the supervisor of our veteran services office with some leaders of the various veteran representative groups uh, from the uh, Band of Brothers to the Disabled American Vets to the uh, uh, local VFW down there in Florence and a couple other organizations. Wanted to talk about um, the accessibility to our veteran service officers, which First, I'm going to um, brag a little bit. Our Veterans Services Department is, I would match them up with anyone across the country. Those folks working in that, that office, uh, and Joby Riley is the uh, supervisor there. Uh, Shannon, the, the guy that actually services the Florence area, those guys are miracle workers when it comes to navigating um, with all the, the various military branches and the VA to help veterans gain the benefits they deserve from their service. And, have, and because of that, Lane County leads the state in dollar value of benefits that come to the county annually from the VA and the various military branches. Even though we do, we're, we do not have the largest number of veterans in the county by a long shot, in the state by a long shot. There are four other counties that have more veterans than we do. 
yet we are number one in veterans benefits. And that's basically because a lot of the work that these veteran services officers are doing. So I want to start out just by saying what a great job they're doing. But there's not that many of them. And in particular, Florence has an unusually high concentration. One of the things I learned in this meeting, and, and Joby Riley did the research, is the um, census districts around Florence and the, it, Florence and the immediate vicinity around Florence have about a 20% veteran population when the average over all of Lane County is about 7%. Pretty amazing. So when you think about it, if, you know, Florence is a town of 10,000 people, there's 2,000 veterans down there. And we basically uh, have a veteran services office down there that we supply a veteran service office there one day a week for about five hours, which is, you know, we only go once a month to Cottage Grove and once a month out to Oak Ridge. So we're going to Florence more than we go to other towns to provide a veteran services officer. But because of the high concentration of veterans that retire in that area, and also because they're an aging population, they have a greater need for service and a lot of times a greater need for guidance in how to navigate the VA system because they're not recently discharged from the services. Um, you know, they're having to go back and try and prove uh, service-related connections to disabilities that they may have served, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. It, it, you know, that it's a pretty complex issues for them. And what we found out in this meeting is, you know, we had a perspective that we're having to turn away two or three veterans every week. You know, that, that um, Shannon, the veteran services officer that services that office, meets with about 10 to 12 people every week, and that's all he can fit into that time period. And usually he has to, he, he's aware of two to three people that were on the waiting list that, that get turned away. What we found out is people start showing up to that office at quarter to five in the morning. And by about seven o'clock, there's enough people in the parking lot to fill up the day's waiting list that people don't even stay and get their name on the waiting list. So we are not even aware of people that may show up, see the parking lots relatively full, and go home. And, and that was something that this meeting, you know, kind of brought to Joby and I's attention. And it kind of brings up that, you know, the only real cure for this is additional staff in that office. So one of the things I, I promised the group that we were meeting with is I will come back to the board in this budget season and advocate for additional staff under Joby's office. And if they can get that additional staff, it's going to help veterans all over the county. You know, if we could if we get open that office for the entire day or have two days a week that it's open for even a half a day, um, we'll be able to, to eliminate that that turning away people. But, you know, that's not if we add a whole nother person, that's not a whole nother person's workload. So there'll be more they'll be able to help the other officers and distribute further workload across the entire county. And hopefully we'll get be able to service more veterans that way and increase the ability to get the veterans their benefits uh, in this county, which is 
you know, a really good thing and ties into something we were talking about last week, which is the homeless situation in Lane County, because a disproportionate amount of our homeless in Lane County are veterans. And if we can help veterans get the benefits they deserve, it may be actually a homelessness prevention uh, issue. And that was part of what that PAC report talked about was we need to keep people from becoming homeless in the first place. Turning off the spigot of, of new homeless is one of the ways to deal with not having to build a huge shelter for people that are sleeping on the street. If there's less people becoming homeless, there'll be less need for shelter. Servicing all veterans and getting them the benefits they earned is a way of keeping these this disproportionate amount of veterans off of our streets. You know, if they've got the access to benefits, that also means they're getting access to things like addiction treatment, uh, counseling for PTSD, and other things that may be driving homelessness, or just getting the financial support under a disability to be able to pay their rent and their light and, and heat bills. You know, that that's so important. So it, it was a great meeting we had last week kind of energized me to really come back during this budget season and really advocate to take a little bit of our general fund and see if we can get another um, half or full FTE in that, that veteran service offices under Joby and see if we can do even more than we've already done. And we've done a lot for veterans out of Lane County. So that was kind of why I was in Florence and got a chance to drive Collard Lake Road. Uh, we also talked a little bit a minute ago about the courthouse going on the May ballot. I didn't get a chance to talk about voter pamphlets and voter information brochures, which was another decision we made last week, and kind of how it's going to impact our elections office. But I want to pause for a minute and give a chance for folks calling again, 646-721-9887. Just press one, and that lets me know you want to get in on the conversation. And you can take the conversation in the direction you want to take it, talk about what you want to talk about. Again, it's 646-721-9887. Just press one. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about voter pamphlet and uh, voter information uh, brochure because it's, it's two different things. And, and this is getting a little bit in the weeds about election law, et cetera. But I want to make people understand why I was not supporting having a voter's pamphlet, because it seems like, why wouldn't you want to have a voter's pamphlet? You know, doesn't everybody want to have all that information? Um, voter's pamphlets um, are a statutory document. If we decide to have one, we have to do it exactly according to state election law, which requires us to allow anyone that wants, that pays the fee to have a statement in the voter's pamphlet for that election. Now, odd year May elections are all of the boards across the county. So there's, you know, soil and water conservation district boards, water district boards, school boards, um, you know, Lane Community College board. There's elections all over. It's the most complex set of ballots we have to put together. Uh, just about because we're going to have to have 260 ballot styles across the county. 
because as you move across the neighborhood, you may you may be voting for this soil and water conservation district on this side of the neighborhood and another one on the other side, but you're all voting on the same school board or the same library board, you know, and if you move a little bit to that, you know, in this direction, you may be in a different fire district board election. So that it makes it so that you have to chop up the county in these little pieces and have a different ballot for each of those pieces. Preparing those what they call ballot styles and making sure that all the candidates that have filed are on each one of those ballots for in the right geographic locations is a lot of work for our election staff. And unfortunately, by statute, the preparing of a voter's pamphlet happens at the exact same time. And we do not have a lot of election staff because we had to actually cut back on election staff back in 2011, 12, and 13 when we lost all that secure rural schools money that I just talked about with Marlene about how it funded our roads. It also used to fund a lot of our general fund which our elections department is funded out of. And, you know, we had to cut a lot of sheriff's department and all that because they're about 65 to 70% of our general fund spending. But the other portions of that are things like elections, assessment, taxation, you know, some of those functions that were, um, you know, public health that were mandated to do by the state, but were not funded completely by the state. And our elections office has already been stretched thin by the increase in the number of registered voters that's happened since Motor Voter was put in place. So not only are they having to have to do 260 different ballot styles, they're also having to get ready to mail out to over 200,000 registered voters, which is a significant jump up from what they used to have pre-Motor Voter by about 40,000. So, uh, you know, the, the election staff is really stretched thin and having to process any water district candidate that wants to pay the fee, you know, get their photograph and statement in that pamphlet and, you know, get it all arranged and ready to go off to the printer, get printed and mailed out in time for the election is a lot of work on top of all the other work they're already having to do to run a fair and accurate election in Lane County. And that's one of the reasons why I wasn't very supportive of it. The secondary reason is by statute, all of those districts have to pay part of the cost of that voter pamphlet. We can't just pay for it all out of general fund. Um, we have to bill the Willamette, you know, the Coast Fork of the Willamette Water Conservation District for their share. We have to bill the Mapleton School District for their share of that. And, you know, they aren't large bills, but you know it's basically an unfunded mandate. When we made that decision, it mandated a cost onto those districts without them having a say in it. So that that was the secondary reason for me. Is just we were placing an unfunded mandate on all these special districts across our county. So if you know you might have read the article in the newspaper today that showed that uh, Commissioner Bernie and I didn't support that. Those were some of the reasons why we didn't. We were concerned about the workload of our election staff. We were concerned about passing on an unfunded mandate. What we were going to support was 
something that would not have been an unfunded mandate, which is an informational brochure that gets sent out by the county that basically would have provided all the information on the courthouse bond election, but would not have had any other election information on it. And, and that is a different process. It doesn't fall under state statute. We don't have to open it up to everybody and, and their uncle and uh, would have been, wouldn't have required elections staff. It would have been more of a county administration project. Um, and that's kind of the, the differences in there. We still would have gotten the information into the voters' hands about the actual bond election. We were, you know, in a neutral informational way because we can't use county funds to advocate. Um, and uh, that that was our, you know, the alternative that was on on the docket was to do that. Um, so that's kind of, you know, a little bit of in the weeds detail, but it's kind of one of the things that, you know, as a county commissioner, you always have to be thinking, you know, a lot more broadly than just the, you know, oh, that sounds like a great idea. There's always, almost always unintended consequences from making decisions purely based on emotion. Or, or just what sounds right in the moment, you, you know. So, thinking about it, having deep background, and having to get into the weeds to understand that is important. And there's so many issues around that. Just like, you know, it would seem simple to folks living on Collard Lake Road. They see that 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 failure there. They they know they the road needs maintenance. Why won't the county just make a decision on just their road? But there's all these other local access roads. And if we're going to start doing them one at a time, how much of staff time and, and county resources will be eaten up for the next group of neighbors that comes in and says, what about our road? What about our road? What about our road? Mind you, we have probably a thousand miles of local access roads in Lane County and uh, more than enough neighbors to come in and advocate. So having that conversation globally instead of narrowly is an important thing. So getting close to the end of our hour here on the Bose Nose Show, I want to remind people that next week we are going to come in at an unscheduled special time for the Bose Nose Show. Haven't quite worked out with Robin what that is. There's a good chance we may have the Bose Nose Show on Thursday instead of Wednesday. I'll advertise that this week. But I have to be in Salem next Wednesday to testify in support of the Criminal Justice Commission's budget as I'm trying to defend the funding that comes down to Lane County through the Justice Reinvestment Act and other programs that helps fund things like our parole and probation services, our specialty courts like the treatment courts, um, some of our real innovative work we're doing through sponsors to transition people out of prison and back into the society where they don't recommit crimes and don't end up back in prison. Um, really great work. And, and it's really important for me being Salem for that. So just a heads up to everybody that next week, we're probably going to be at a special time, uh, but there's still enough time to catch phone call here on the Bose Nose Show if you want to get in. And one of the things, beauty of, of internet radio is I don't have to cut off at exactly 60 minutes. So if we're in the middle of a conversation, I'll extend the show. So it's 646-721-9887 to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 
721-9887. Just press one. So Robin, were you trying to jump in there or is that just an echo? Probably just an echo. Okay. I'm getting a little nip in the background there and I wasn't quite sure if you were you know, trying to jump in. But, you know, I, I, I hate to use airtime for this, but um, what's your calendar looking like for next week, Robin? Are we going to do this on Thursday? Can I announce before the end of the show that we're going to do a Thursday show? I think uh, that's very doable. In fact, what would really be encouraging is that if people hit that like and follow button. On Facebook, yes, that is true. Absolutely. Yeah, it looks like I'm open next Thursday um, at this moment for a 4 o'clock show. So we will tentatively say next week, special time, Thursday at 4 o'clock. Um, if that changes, I will be putting it out on the Facebook for everybody, and we'll try and make sure it gets up on the blog talk um, site here. So if you go go looking there, you can find it there. But uh, there's all sorts of ways you can find the Bo's Nose Show on the Internet, including Facebook at our KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page. So like us there, because if you like us, you're more likely to get notifications that we push out through the Facebook page in the way of posts. So you'll see what's happening with the show. We have to change the time because sometimes as a county commissioner, I just can't guarantee I'm going to be available exactly at four o'clock every week on Wednesday. Because I, I do have to interact with other elected bodies and other agencies. And in this case, the legislature um, tends to hold hearings sometimes on Wednesday afternoons. So I am going to be in Salem at three o'clock testifying, which means I don't think I'm going to make it uh, to a computer on time to do the Bo's Nose show at four. So looks like we're going to be on it Thursday next week at four o'clock for the Bo's Nose show. And we're counting on you all to be there. So we're taking names. Yes, yes, we are. We, 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 we were going to look through our magic mirror. And I see Bobby and Jody and. <laughs> oh, we are showing our age, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone out there that's, that's, that's not a baby boomer is scratching their head going, what the heck are they talking about? There was a program on when we were kids called Romper Room. Where, where the, where it was set up sort of like a classroom with a teacher and she had this magic mirror, which didn't have any mirror in it. And she would hold up towards the camera and act like she could actually see people through the mirror and, you know, call out names and stuff like that. But, of course, they had things where kids would send in for stuff. So they actually knew kids' names that were watching the show. And she would, you know, you always, you know, watch to see if she mentioned your name when she was looking through the magic mirror. <laughs> and in, in, in the meantime, kids were scared to death, going, Mommy, she sees me through the TV. <laughs> Yeah, it could be a little creepy, too. <laughs> oh, well, we really appreciate you listening to Bo's Snow Show. Thank you for Marlene for calling in today to uh, take the show in her direction. I'm hoping you'll be here next week at our special time, Thursday, 4 o'clock, for the next edition of the Bo's Nose Show. I hope you learned something today from me, and we'll talk to you next week live from beautiful downtown Elmira, have a great week. <laughs>